0: everyone. I'm Teresa Moon, Business Development and Relationship Manager for Parabolus, and welcome to our 2022 kickoff to spilling the tea on GovCon. I am super excited to be starting the year off right with my friend here, Ed Delisle. The purpose of this podcast is to highlight our partners within the government contracting industry to provide support services and information to our network of growing government contractors. Today, like I said, I am super excited to have Ed Delisle He's here to kick off our revamped podcast. Ed and I met last year at the National a Day Association Convention in New Orleans. We hit it off, became fast friends, and I found out pretty quickly that he was a force to be reckoned with in the industry and someone who would be a great resource to our network of listeners. So, uh, Ed, without further ado, if you wouldn't mind kicking us off with a bit of information about your firm and your expertise, and we'll get rolling.
1: Sure. Well, Teresa, thank you very much for having me. Uh, It's fun to be able to kick off 2022 with uh, with friends doing something fun. Uh, So, I am the uh, chairperson of the government contracting practice group at my law firm, Officer. Kerman. I'm physically located in uh, Plymouth Meeting, Pennsylvania, which is suburban Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Spent most of my career actually in the city of Philadelphia, uh, but fled uh, just before the uh, the pandemic and. As it turned out, um, that was sort of a good thing for me uh, personally and uh, professionally. Uh, Afit Kerman is a full service uh, law firm. We have offices uh, in uh, just about every state in the mid-Atlantic region. And um, we provide uh, legal assistance to contractors soup to nuts. I spend all of my time in the government contracting space. And a lot of the work that I do tends to focus on uh, construction related services that the government uh, buys and they buy an awful lot of it. And I guess we'll talk about a little bit of that
0: today. Awesome. Thank you for that intro. Um, You know, it's great with you being on our show and kicking us off. It it sets the tone for the rest of the year for us. And so I wanted to get some of your personal insight and some of the extraordinary experiences that you've had in your career. Um, We spoke recently about your experience assisting clients around the world involving matters of construction contracts and particularly the work that you did supporting projects in afghanistan i'd love to hear a little bit about that i think it's been such a a pertinent topic in our in our everyday culture in the last several months and i'd love a little bit of, of your your history there and 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 tell our our listenership about it
1: yeah so uh the government contracting uh practice has been um really good to me in lots of different ways One of the ways that I've uh, benefited from what the government contract uh, buys is the fact that they buy it all over the world. And it's given me the ability to perform work all over the world. Embassy and consulate projects, for example, in um, uh, Eastern Europe, I've been involved in a number of those. The most... um, Interesting place for me personally that that I've worked is um, in Afghanistan and uh, in connection with the war effort uh, that we participated in over the course of, it's hard to believe, 20 years. Uh, We spent over $2 trillion in Afghanistan in an effort to uh, to support uh, democracy in an area of the world where uh, it's not prominent. And uh, like I said, we spent an awful lot of money. And a lot of the money that we spent there uh, was for uh, construction. We built an awful uh, lot of uh, buildings in those areas where U.S. forces were operating at the point in time when we were there. And uh, we turned all of those over to the Afghan government at the time that we uh, at the time that we left. But uh, whenever you work in a conflicted environment, uh, you're going to have to deal with unique challenges. And that was certainly the case in Afghanistan. Um, so in Afghanistan, uh, you had, uh, security issues that were, of course, you know, pretty important that had to be taken into consideration as all of this construction related work was, uh, was happening, uh, because of the Afghan uh, government's, uh, push, uh, for, uh, U.S. prime contractors to use local subcontractors, local wow. Afghan subcontractors. It was particularly challenging for U.S. primes to um, to vet those companies for purposes of introducing them onto right. uh, U.S. bases there. And so uh, between checking things like um, the um, Office of Foreign Asset uh, 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 controls list of uh, specially designated nationals and black persons, so OFAC has lists of uh, companies and, and people that um, should not be permitted to work on government contracts for example between checking lists like that and, and performing uh, a vetting process internally it was really tough on. US contractors over there to find uh, subcontractors to work on their stuff and a lot of times when they did things would have to happen after the fact and the US government would would uh, tell contractors hey you got to get rid of these uh, these particular subcontractors and of course, that would create all sorts of legal issues and problems and delays and, and uh, escalated costs to introduce new subcontractors. And so that was that was certainly a, a, a unique uh, issue pertinent to Afghanistan that um, I dealt with an awful lot. I think the geographic location was tough too. You had things like right. collapsible soils, which is a, a condition over there, in particular in the Northeast part of the country where you'd have Uh, soil that was unsuitable, but you wouldn't know until you introduced water. You'd introduce water to the soil, the soil would collapse, hence the term collapsible soils. Mm -hmm. And contractors had to deal with that very unique situation over there. And they wouldn't know that they... uh, Right. Until it happened, right? Yeah, that they had that situation to deal with until they actually got there. Yeah. Of course, that created all sorts of issues and problems. But it was pretty interesting as a as a legal professional to, to deal yeah. with those sorts of things. Very different than the domestic environment.
0: And I bet, you know, after all of that diligence put into that time and, and, and the effort to build everything up, then to have it, the situation be the way that it is today is, is a little disheartening, I bet. So, you know, I, I think it's a great thing that you lay out how that works too. I mean, um, I, I wasn't aware that that happens when you work in a foreign country that sometimes are required to utilize contractors from that area. I mean, it makes sense from a logistical standpoint that they're already there. But when you're in an, in a war zone, that's a, that can provide a, a pretty unique circumstance layered on top of everything else. And that and the fact that, um, you know, they they don't do things the way that we do across the world in general as term, in terms of making sure of safety of the environment when you start work and things like that. So that's super interesting. I mean, that we could probably talk about that for days about um, certain scenarios that you dealt with there, but I appreciate that little bit of insight because that's super cool. I mean, I, uh, like I said, it's something that we talk about all the time right now with, you know, the the status of events over there. And so it's pretty neat that you were involved in it and in the onset and and some, you know, pretty unique situations. So that's very cool. Thank you. Sure. Um, you know, going in a little deeper, something that we share in common is our commitment to Uh, 8A businesses, small and small disadvantaged businesses, you do a lot of work with the National 8A Association. That's how we met. Um, Rochelle Shapiro introduced us because you guys have been longtime partners with uh, helping that organization get off the ground and running and and providing some really helpful and useful educational information to them. So given that you have a portion of your business that is uh, determined to help that portion of the industry... What would you say is the most prevalent need or or something that, that the portion of your practice that you utilize the most in regard to dealing with small and small disadvantaged businesses? What do you see the most of that they need your assistance with?
1: So, yeah, a big part of my practice within the government contracting context. It's sort of a subset of um, what I do is um, assisting small and small disadvantaged disadvantaged businesses. Uh, with their business needs, um, and specifically as those needs pertain to the federal government. And the biggest uh, issue that I see is just simply understanding sort of the regulatory framework within which they're operating. So it's, um, you know, doing work for the federal government uh, does require that you sort of operate a little bit differently, of course, than you do in the commercial world. You have statutes and regulations that are going to govern how you work, And in particular if you're a small business it's important to understand sort of okay well what are the sba's requirements of me so that i can stay compliant particularly if you're an 8a company for example Uh, and those requirements have changed uh, quite a bit and they'll continue to change and so knowing somebody uh, that you can interact with that can help you understand what it all means and what those changes are is certainly important Uh, But then there's the sort of other half of it, which is understanding like the federal acquisition regulations, for example, uh, the FAR and supplementary uh, agency regulations that are going to govern the actual contracts that you're performing. So that's a whole other piece of it where uh, a small contractor in particular needs someone on the outside to assist. They're not big enough to have an in-house attorney sort of help them understand what all these regulatory requirements are. So I spend an awful lot of my time on the phone assisting small businesses understand sort of in both those contexts, SBA related, and then sort of FAR and supplementary agency regula- uh, regulation related stuff so that they understand uh, how their contracts operate and what they're required to do to stay uh, to stay
0: compliant. And that's also important. I mean, your best foot forward includes being compliant on a whole number of things. And, and the FAR is not an easy read. I mean, I have two degrees in, in literature and I sat down with a little portion of it because I had a conversation that I knew I was going to have and I was trying to prep for it. And I'm, I'm nothing if I can't sit down and with these, that back history of my you know college experience, be able to, you know, digest some information and then be able to chat about it educated and I was at a loss. Not only did it put me to sleep pretty quickly, but the repetitive nature of the way that the information is put out, it can be so confusing. And there's so many amendments to it. And there's so many stipulations within it. And things change all the time that just staying on top of the changes in and of itself is enough of a task. So I can imagine that every company That decides not only to participate in an 8a program but any sba program for that matter if they've got they've got a certain criteria that they have to follow when they're going after things they they have to have someone like you in their in their repertoire of resources or or they're really putting themselves at risk and not doing things the right way which could squash them being able to get business in the future right
1: yeah the the biggest uh or the heaviest lift for the small uh, business that operates in the government space is making sure that they have the right people available to them. And certainly from a legal perspective, that's important. The FAR is 52 volumes. Um, yeah, it's 52 volumes of stuff that uh, not all of which you need to know. And it sounds really scary, 52 volumes of, of material. Uh, but the, the fact is you're not going to need to know 52 volumes worth of material to successfully operate your business within the federal space. What you will need, though, is access to somebody who can explain certain of those provisions to you. If you don't, if you don't understand them, and in particular when you get the sense that things might be going a little bit um, uh, awry in connection with whatever contract you're performing, you got to know enough to pick up the phone and make that call.
0: Right, because how do you tell people what you need if you don't even know what you're looking at? I mean. I think that's the thing that I always try to keep in mind when I'm assisting our, our listenership and our network of people who are growing it within the industry that, and I, I say it a lot, just being the best at what you do does not equate to success in government contracting as much as it does in commercial business. Because, um, you know, it's a lot of knowing the nuances that include regulations and compliance and, and a lot of who you know. And even though that's kind of the same in, in commercial work too, I mean, who you know can go a long way who you know in government contracting is super impactful because I know for me, what I bring to the table to my clients is a huge network of resources like yourself. So when they sit down and have a conversation with us and it comes up that they have a question regarding compliance or the FAR or something that I know that would be of your expertise, I can connect them with you. Um, and that I think is is the the pinnacle reason why we have this program is to be able to highlight different nuances that, people will need help navigating and without them feeling like they're out on on this journey on their own, being able to make those connections and and have an impactful, um, you know, result in in the process is is huge for us. And so it's great to to know, you know, certain details to your expertise. So when we hear that, when people are talking that we, um, you know, have you to to lend to their, um, you know, base of, of people who can assist them through the industry. Um, there's a, you know, it's not so much about a learning curve as much as our mutual friend Guy, Guy Timberlake always says connecting the dots. You don't have to know everything. If you know people who know it, can you call them and you have them help you? And so, um, you know, I go to him for a heck of a lot and I know that you guys are great friends too. And, and he relies on you for a lot of information from that. And so we're, we're happy that, you know, we can add you to that list of people to, to lend to our audience as well. So this is awesome. Um, I know that you present on different topics a lot with a, diff- a lot of different organizations. You've got a presentation at the end of the month for the National, National 8A Convention here in Orlando, where I am. I know I'm making everyone a little jealous right now because I'm not in the the snow like most of the Northeast, but um, you're going to be coming down here and joining me. Um, what are you going to be highlighting in your in your chat in the convention this month?
1: Yeah. So I'm very much looking forward to escaping the cold and coming to see you down there in Florida. Yeah. I love Florida, especially this time of year. Um, so um, this, this year I've spoken about construction related uh, issues before, uh, I think, let's see. So it's been a couple of sessions, um, a couple of conventions rather uh, since I've done it for national ADA. but we're going to actually uh, tackle some construction related issues. Uh, in a couple of weeks in Orlando. So on February 2nd, at 4 p.m., I'll be on a panel with uh, someone from the United States Corps of Engineers, and I believe someone from the State Department. There's still some issues because of COVID, of getting uh, folks from government uh, down to Florida to uh, participate. But what we're going to be speaking about is architectural engineering and construction uh, related procurements, how the government buys uh, construction services, architectural engineering services, and I'm certain that the State Department and the Corps will also talk about projects that uh, they're anticipating coming out during uh, this Mm -hmm. coming calendar
0: year. That's awesome. So, you know, stay tuned for opportunities in that arena. I know we talk about it a lot because of the infrastructure bill that came out. Um, you know, construction is going to be a huge portion of that. And we work with a lot of uh, construction companies and contractors that are, are looking to get a piece of that pie. So uh, that's awesome to know. I'll, I'll definitely be there because I know I always learn uh, way more than I knew before by sitting in on, on conversations like that. But I love those types of, of events where they include acquisition opportunities and, and telling people how to go about gaining that opportunity in the right way. Um, there, there is a secret sauce and it doesn't in- include having to reinvent the wheel when it comes to this, this process. I think a lot of go-getters, they get into government contracting and they think, you know, if they're, they're the flashiest and they change things up and they're different, that they might get recognized faster. And it really doesn't work that way. They, the government wants things a certain way. And you got to do it that way or they're going to just put you to the back burner and forget that you even you know, tried to participate. So I think conversations that, like the one that you're going to be um, involved in at the conference is going to be awesome. And, and so I encourage anyone, especially in the in the central Florida area, uh, we have a lot of businesses that we work with around here. If you haven't yet, sign up and come out and, and join us at this conference, because if nothing else, this area is inundated with a lot of opportunity within IT and engineering and simulation and training and modeling, which is what Orlando is known for. So there's a lot of agencies down here that I do a lot of business with and have for years that are going to be represented at the convention. So that'll be a big one and and a lot of opportunity for us to network together while we're there too. I'll I'll introduce you to my Orlando peeps.
1: Oh, I would love that. (laughs) I have uh, lots of folks that are coming in from all over the country, just to be in Florida and escape the cold like me and learn something new and you'll be meeting right. all those folks as well.
0: Awesome, I look forward to that. So anything coming up in the next several months after this, any other presentations or engagements that we can share with our audience so they can, webinars perhaps that they might be able to join?
1: Yeah, so I do this sort of thing uh, a lot. So sort of I get on the speaking tour, um, I do all the National ADA stuff, which we just talked about. Um AGC of America, I do a lot of work for them as well. Uh a lot of stuff has sort of been I, I feel like waiting. Okay, are we gonna be live? Are we uh is it gonna have to be by webinar? Um, I did get involved in uh, a new venture which is just starting, and it's called uh Small to Large, and it's uh particularly aimed at 8, day contractors. If you're in the greater uh Baltimore area, if you're if you're situated located there, uh We're going to be having live sessions with folks that find themselves in a situation where they could be going from small to large, either graduating from the 80 program or naturally sizing out. And this series is designed to uh, teach them how to make that transition. So we'll have uh, folks, we'll have banking people, we'll have uh, consultants, we'll have people who have done it both successfully and perhaps not as successfully as, as they would have liked. Teaching those that are uh, thinking about it how to do it and how to do it the right way, learning through, uh, you know, sort of anecdotal uh, information they receive from people who've done it, as well as uh, consultants, bankers. I'll be one of the speakers and uh, my firm is one of the sponsors Uh, and it's called, uh, you know, uh, small to large. And if anybody is interested, they can uh, certainly feel free to reach out.
0: Yeah, definitely. And and I'll get the link from you, too, so we can share that as well. Now, is that offered through any particular organization or is it just a collective group of of private businesses that are, are putting it on? How does that work?
1: Yeah, so it's being primarily sponsored uh, by a consulting firm called Newport. They're based in Maryland. Uh, they're the primary sponsor. And um, there are others, as I say, uh, my firm is a sponsor and there are others, I think Live Oak Bank is one of the sponsors. We'll actually see them at National uh, ADA a Association yep. in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, but you'll see actually a lot of our friends who are, will be in uh, in Orlando in a few weeks also being participants in this program. So I'd be happy to share all that information with uh, anybody who's listening.
0: Excellent. Yes, definitely. I think that that, that sounds like a, an awesome program. A lot of people would benefit from the collective expertise of, of just a few people that are groups that will be, Presenting at that that you mentioned, I think that that would be an incredible, uh, you know, benefit grab for for businesses that are in that realm of, you know, heading towards eight a graduation. I think it's really important that they know how to take that next step. So that's awesome. We'll definitely share that information uh, after this conversation for sure. Um, any final thoughts uh, or remarks that you'd like to leave our group with? We definitely appreciate you being here. So I want to give you the last word.
1: Um, I think my last word uh, would be for those. Folks that are listening that fall within the small or small disadvantaged uh, framework, as identified by the uh, the federal government, uh, understand that there are lots and lots of people out there that understand this area and that are there to help you. Um, you know, Teresa and I uh, we operate in that space exclusively, and so from a financing or a legal perspective, you have you know folks that can help you, but also. From a uh, from a bonding perspective, uh, from an accounting perspective, there are lots of folks out there that specialize in assisting contractors that operate in this space, uh, and you know they're out there. Find them, and that's the sort of network that you want to build to find success for yourself if you're going to operate again in that space. And so, I highly encourage you to find those people and use them.
0: Absolutely. And and that's exactly why, like I said in the beginning, that's why we created this podcast was so that we could share resources to growing government contractors so that they know where to turn for questions and, and answers when it pertains to how to, how to do work and how to put their best foot forward in the industry. So we definitely appreciate you being here. We appreciate the listenership for being a part of the program today. I encourage everyone to follow us on LinkedIn Go to our website so you can see some of our past recordings. And as usual, stay tuned for our upcoming podcast where we continue to shed light and spill the tea on GovCon. I'm Teresa Moon, Business Development Relationship Manager with Parabolus, and I look forward to seeing everyone again very soon. Thank you.
1: Thank you.